Welcome to the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. Have you ever wondered how people succeed in real estate and what steps they took to get there? If so, this podcast is for you. Your hosts, Sayla and Eileen Prack, interview top experts in the real estate community to share with you their real estate journey and how they achieved massive success. Our goal is to provide you with valuable real estate resources and to help you apply it to your own real estate goal. If you're anything like Sayla and me and believe that real estate investing is a great way to create passive income and build long-term wealth, check out our free apartment syndication due diligence checklist for passive investors at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Sayla and I created this checklist for ourselves as we evaluated different multifamily syndication opportunities as a passive investor. So we would love to share it with you so you can use it as a resource as well. Download your free copy today at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Welcome everyone to today's episode of the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Eileen Prack. And today with us, our guest is John Rickgern. John, how are you doing today? Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. So John, I'd love to get into your background and you just entered fatherhood as well as doing real (laughs) estate. So it's a lot to handle and to juggle between Mm -hmm. everything that you're doing right now. And so I'd really love to learn a little bit more about you, how you got started. So if you can start (laughs) with that, let's start with your background first and how you got started with real estate. Sure. So my name is John Rickgarn. I'm based in uh, Marshall, Minnesota, southwest corner of the state. I throw out home of Schwann's ice cream and Red Baron pizza for some people to get kind of an idea where I'm located. Before I got into real estate, both as a realtor and an investor, I sold office equipment for just about 12 years. And 2014 kind of had my awakening moment for lack of a better term, just there's got to be a different path than working for a W-2 job, 40, 50, 60 hours a week until retirement. So started to dive into podcasts and reading and watching YouTube videos, everything I get my hands on. Finally took the plunge with a fourplex here in Marshall in August of 2016 and have just kind of slowly built up from there from condo down in Arizona, some single family homes in Memphis, Alabama, Memphis, Tennessee, and Birmingham, Alabama, and just closed on a duplex in Davenport, Iowa. So just been kind of slowly building my empire, if you will, since then. (laughs) And so for you, you know, how did you start to slowly build it up? Like what was the first one that you did as you transitioned from realtor to becoming an investor yourself? Sure. And actually I transitioned more investor to realtor. I've only been a realtor two years now, but uh, started when I was diving into the podcast and getting an idea of, okay, what to look for, newer construction, 1% rent to value ratio and other KPIs or metrics. Once I had that kind of narrowed down. Then the first one that came up was a fourplex here in Minnesota. And most people started the single family. I just did things in reverse. So obviously it was a big expense, kind of looked at it of, okay, how can I afford this? Not, I can't afford this kind of a play on what Robert Kiyosaki always proposes to get the creative juices going, open up your brain a little bit, and finally decided to take out my contributions from a Roth IRA as taking care of a good chunk of the down payment for the fourplex. Then that was the first one, which then led into a duplex that was just word of mouth that our property management company got wind of. So that was the next one. And then just kind of kept rolling along where I used to be very, very 
pro retirement plans, always maxing them out and decided to take a step back of all these thousands and thousands of dollars I'm putting towards my retirement plan every year. Maybe that'd be more beneficial going towards real estate going forward. So for you, what was that switch for you when you decided to move from the stocks and the bonds and the traditional real estate or the traditional investments into like more real estate? Sure. I wouldn't say it was so much the investment side. It was more of the kind of a mindset shift going from work, 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 save, 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 invest into retirement account till your age 62, 65, 67, and just kind of have an awakening moment of, well, that sounds great, but what if I don't make it to age 65? Both my parents passed away due to cancer by the time I was 16. They only made it into their 50s. So then I just kind of thought, well, why am I essentially deferring or delaying my life to a future date that isn't guaranteed? So then I started to think not so much on alternative investments, but traditional retirement accounts are centered very much to grow a big pile of money, and then you have a stream of income in retirement. So I started to think of, well, is there a way to create streams of income now and in retirement so you're not delaying your life at that point? Oh, well, I'm sorry to hear that about your parents. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of the, I don't know, that's kind of my little story of don't defer your life. Don't push things on to the future. Everyone's like, oh, I can't wait till I retire. Oh, I can't wait till I retire. And I've known personally people that have passed away six months before they were going to retire and even three months after they retired. So it just got to the point of why as a society, are we so hooked on delaying our life to these golden years where there's really no guarantee that's going to going to happen for either one of us or any of us? Yeah. That's such a powerful way to think because like you said, what happens if we don't reach that retirement year mm-hmm. in life? There's nothing that's guaranteed. Right. And so it's really how you're focusing your time and energy and how you're spending it right now. So why focus down towards the retirement age when you don't even know if you're going to be able to reach it? And mm-hmm. if you're able to do something now to kind of create those streams of income and start enjoying your life now, the same like you, you know, I've heard a lot of stories about people who are looking to be retired um, mm-hmm. and who never end up making it to that. And then people who have after they've retired just a couple months later, they never get mm-hmm. to actually fully enjoy their retirement that they've been looking forward for such a long time. Right. And I mean, none of us is guaranteed tomorrow, but unfortunately, the whole retirement industry has kind of centered around delaying everything until when you're 60s. And, you know, you can throw statistics of, oh, statistically, you're going to live to age 82, but it's only a statistic until something happens to you. Yeah. And so it's also like we're trained to think that as we approach retirement age, we need to have this large lump sum of money to Mm -hmm. be able to be secure because that's in a sense, like your security blanket, you're looking at it every day. You're looking at it and seeing that nest egg grow and grow. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's down the road. You don't know what's going to be happening to it as the market changes and everything like that. So how do you determine for yourself, what's the right level of income that I need to create for myself now in order to start living the life that I'd like to live and not having to wait for that large lump sum pile of money, because how am I even going to get to that point in time versus be able to create it right now for myself? Sure. Well, I think that answer is different for everyone. And even myself, that's kind of a moving target. Uh, Like you mentioned, I'm a father now. So obviously there's expenses now that weren't there a year ago. So that's kind of always uh, a lot of expenses (laughs) moving target there. 
kind of my mantra, so to speak, is my website and blog and podcast that I've created myself is financial freedom, one bill at a time. I've talked to or seen many guru programs, so to speak, and $10,000 a month seems to be the magical number for whatever reason. And I just took that step back of looking at what are all my fixed recurring bills, your rent, your mortgage, your insurance, your car payment, and then matching those expenses or bills with a passive income stream. Just myself personally and talking to a number of friends, I always joke that Netflix seems to always be the one that's on everyone's list. Everyone seems to have a Netflix subscription. So I just work backwards where, okay, that's depending on your plan, 15 bucks a month, what can I do or what passive income stream can I create that would cover that $15 expense? And then once that's set up and almost on autopilot, then I just keep progressing into the next bill, so to speak. Whereas today, our car insurance plans, our term life insurance plans, gas, water, sewer, electric, those bills, those are all paid for via passive income from our investments now. Yeah. It's a different mindset shift, right? To start thinking about like, how can I start to afford, or what are the different streams of incomes that I can create in order to Mm -hmm. afford the things that I want, instead of maybe trying to restrict the things in life that you want in order to save, to do some things, but instead finding ways to generate more income to be able to, to live a fuller life. Well, like you said, with the retirement account, I mean, as beneficial as retirement accounts can be, and maybe even have, like you said, a large nest egg or security blanket for you. I mean, you could be a Peter Thiel and have $5 billion in your Roth IRA, but that doesn't mean you're getting income from that today. That's all in the future. So it's more of what can I set up now as streams of income to essentially grow a pile of money versus concentrating. I have to have this huge, big pile of money by retirement And then I have that one income stream when I'm in my 60s. And so the different types of income streams that you're looking at, which ones are you particularly focused on? You mentioned you have your fourplex, your duplex, Mm -hmm. and how are you starting to build up your portfolio and to be able to create more and more streams of incomes for yourself? Sure. I've uh, personally dabbled in everything from uh, syndications, private rates. I still even have a, a small stock portfolio note lending, obviously real estate. And each one of those kind of had their pros and cons. One program that I started with was called Fundrise. You can put in as little as $500, get quarterly income from that. Obviously more towards the paying a Netflix subscription versus your mortgage or car payment. But as time went on, I just kind of obviously geared more towards real estate. I really like the tax benefits of it, where if you make $200 a month from a real estate investment after depreciation and benefits, it can be $200 net in your pocket with minimal or maybe no taxes. So as time has gone by, I've just looked at other assets we've had, done some refinances, cash out refinances to essentially pull equity out of one property and then put it as a down payment towards another and just kind of constantly building that up where as the equity builds up in the properties through appreciation and debt pay down, look to redeploy that into additional assets. And now you're a father yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So how has your strategy or your investment outlook changed, if any, now that you've become a father? 
Sure. I wouldn't say change too much. I'm very much of a buy and hold and passive investor. All our properties are managed by property managers. So I've been very, not that I'm not involved in all, but very hands off. So thankfully, once I became a father, it wasn't like, oh gosh, now I have all these responsibilities I now have to outsource. Well, they were outsourced to begin with. And probably going forward, maybe sticking along that same path, not to say that I won't ever be a active investor, active syndicator, fix and flipper or anything like that. But obviously the more hands-off and more time freedom I have and having truly passive income, obviously the better with being a father where whether it's sleepless nights or just general doctor's visits having to worry about it's obviously time is much more valuable now than it was even a year ago. (laughs) We love hosting this show. When we started this podcast, we were doing all the editing and post-production ourselves. Now, we are very excited to have this particular company as a partner of the show to do all the post-production for us, because it gives us the freedom to focus on the two things we care about, serving you, our listener, at a higher level, and growing our own multifamily business. If you are like Sayla and me, then you want to add value to others while scaling your business. A podcast is the best way to do both, and we invite you to contact Adam Adams. He can help you launch your podcast, market your show for more listeners, and take all the post-production off your plate so you can focus on your business instead of in it. Listeners of this show can get a free consultation with Adam. To schedule your free consultation, find the link in the show notes. And one of the things I think is amazing too, and especially during the time now as a new father and with the limited time that you have <laughs> that you're spending with your child, you've also created your own podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so- it was interesting how that kind of fell into place. And even like for my wife and I, two years ago, after numerous fertility treatments and trying meeting with specialists, we were told that parenthood wasn't in the cards for us. And we just accepted it and just the way it happened, you know, call it a miracle, whatever, then it happened. And it's like, okay, well, I had all these other projects queued up. Don't exactly want to give them up, but now I just need to be a little bit more proactive with my time and set up time blocks to get certain things done at times of the day. Why wasn't podcast one of those items that you decided not to pursue? And why did you decide to put one out there? I think for me personally, so with my previous job, I was, you know, it wasn't uncommon for me to be on the road 100, 200, even more miles a day. So you're in the car a lot and started to learn about podcasts. And since I had time to kill, it was very beneficial for me. So I looked at it more of, I've probably listened to thousands of podcast episodes over the last seven years. And if I could really funnel down or pinpoint what has helped me the most and direct that into my own podcast for someone like me, or maybe in a similar situation as me versus that person, okay, I have to dive in and listen to all these thousands of podcasts. Well, I've already done that. Let me funnel through what's been the most beneficial for me, kind of give you a few shortcuts so you don't have to spend hundreds or thousands of hours sifting through all the noise in the internet, so to speak, you can kind of, here's the path that worked for me. Here are the options and investment opportunities that worked for me. And this was my path. And I hope that helps others as well. 
Yeah. Podcasting, I think is such an amazing platform because you're able to (laughs) consume the content. You're able to learn while you're doing other things as well. You know, driving, working, cooking, you're able to consume all this information or changing diapers in your case. Exactly. Whatever it takes. Uh, Well, and even as a podcaster myself, where I just launched here in November of 2021, I just recently had an interview with a real estate attorney and tax expert. And even though I've gathered a lot of knowledge over the years, just interviewing him, I learned a lot of things that I didn't know. So on one hand, I'm recording the podcast, but I'm also taking side notes like, oh, I didn't know this. Oh, I didn't know this. Oh, I didn't know this. So it's very beneficial, not just for hopefully my listeners, but also I continue to learn. Education, I think, is a lifelong journey, not a line in the sand. Oh, once you get to here, you know everything and you're done learning. Yeah, absolutely. What was the hardest thing about starting the podcast for you? Hardest thing getting started, I think just kind of lining up all the connecting points, I would say. Back to, I've listened to a lot of podcasts. Some are extremely well put together. Others are not, and then they just kind of drop off. So my biggest thing was wanting to have continuation of the podcast. So I wanted to do it once a week, and I wanted to compile a list of at least 40 or 50 talking points or interviewees or subjects to discuss. So once I had that list done up, then I looked at it as like, okay, this is going to put me almost through all the 2022. I wanted to have that long of a runway before I started up. Cause I think statistically like 60 or 70% of podcasts die off after the seventh or eighth episode. And I did not want my podcast to be one of those. <laughs> So have you been able to manage your time and juggling everything that you're (laughs) handling right now? (laughs) Sometimes I even wonder myself at the same token, I have started to learn to block a lot of my time off into segments for my podcast. I have specific hours set up on certain days just for that. I'm a realtor as well. So I tell a lot of my clients, it's like typically nights and weekends is what works for me. Many times won't be during the day hours. Thankfully, we were able to secure daycare for our little ones. So as of this week, now I'm starting to have a little bit more time flexibility versus having to juggle, take care of him and then try to do catch up on this project. So it's comes down to time management and sometimes prioritizing of what's the most important thing that needs to get done today. And for you, as you're building up your, as for somebody who's wanting to start to build up their other streams of income, what are some typical steps or some advice that you can give the first couple of steps that somebody can start taking in order to start looking at different ways to create those streams of income? Sure. I think the big thing, and I did this for myself, and there's actually a spreadsheet that I have on my website. I could provide a link of that to your listeners as well, but just sit down, have an honest conversation with yourself and write down, where's your money going? Where's it coming from? And I think probably the biggest thing that a lot of us don't take into account is taxes. If your income is tied solely to a W-2 job, well, you're probably paying 30% or more in taxes, where if you can get that same income through stock dividends or real estate rental agreements or others, you might be paying between zero and 15% taxes. So I think it really just comes down to sitting down, writing out where your money's going, where it's coming from, and what changes you can make. For me, 
like I said, it's very anti Dave Ramsey, anti Susie Orman, but I decided to scale back on all my retirement account contributions. I haven't contributed to my IRA in almost six years. And that freed up thousands of dollars for me that I could direct towards other investments that help me now versus in the future, some long, far out date. How has real estate investing impacted your life? Well, it's definitely uh, increased my wealth, my knowledge, income levels, and just probably more time freedom than anything. I think in this world, you can always make more money. You can always get another job. But kind of back to my previous story with my parents, none of us know when our end date is. We only have a certain amount of time and time is the one thing you can't buy back. But if you can set up a lifestyle that works best for you and For me, it has been real estate investments. It might be different for someone else. If that can set you up to have more time freedom, I think that is a life that we all desire. And what is one thing that you know now about real estate that you wish you knew when you first started? (laughs) Uh, The Probably the one tip I can give, and this bit me in the butt with my first investment, is if you are in the position of looking and buying a real estate property depending on where you're at, be sure to check for the homestead exclusions. Many times looking at the pro formas, they'll say, yep, here are the property taxes. Well, if that, say like a single family home, that is occupied by a primary resident or a homeowner, many times jurisdictions and states will have a discount on their property taxes. Once that becomes a non-owner occupied unit, even if the value of the property doesn't change, that exclusion is going to go away and your taxes may go up from a couple hundred dollars to almost a thousand dollars, depending on where you're at. That's probably the biggest tip I can give. And to date, I've only come across it written in one PDF as far as we're learning about property taxes, making sure you pay attention to the homestead exclusion. So you're not like where I was in 2017, where you get a huge tax <laughs> tax hit for something you didn't plan on. And what is the one thing that sets the successful people apart in real estate investing? I'd say mindset and just more of a, how can I do this attitude versus I can't do this attitude. If you went to my younger self 10 years ago and said, I would have almost 14 units spread throughout the United States, bringing in thousands of dollars of passive income, I would have said, you're absolutely nuts. (laughs) But I think more of a mindset of, yes, I can do this and thinking ahead of, how can I get there versus just closing your mind off and saying, well, only the rich people can do that. I'll never be rich. So I'm not even going to bother trying. So for you, John, what was the best resource or tool that you utilize that has helped you in your real estate investing journey? Best tool? Well, I can name several. (laughs) Podcasts, obviously, like I mentioned, I'd say was beneficial to me. Probably the purple book that maybe a lot of listeners are familiar with, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Throw myself out there. If anyone listening to this has never read that book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, feel free to message me your address. I'll send you a copy free of charge. <laughs> I think that was probably the biggest mindset shift. And I know it's helped millions of others, including myself, just to expand your horizons. Awesome. Well, John, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to come on the show <laughs> and share a little bit about yourself and what you're doing in this space. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was a blast. So, John, if our listeners wanted to learn a little bit more about yourself, take a listen to your podcast, where's a place that they can go? 
Well, a little joke of mine, I'm not really too hard to find. So if you just Google my name, John Rickgarn, you'll come across my social media handles, LinkedIn, Facebook. Fun fact, there's only three Rickgarns in the entire world. So there's only (laughs) a small family tree, a long story, but yeah, as as it dwindled down, there's now three Rickgarns in the world. So like I said, not too hard to find. For those listening to this, you can just type in my last name, rickgarn.com. It will redirect you to my Wealth and Freedom Nexus website. There I have links to go to my podcast, whether you listen to it on iTunes or Spotify, and then also my YouTube channel and other social media platforms. Awesome. Thank you so much again, John. Thanks again. It was great. And thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Bonavest Capital. We would really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. Also, please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes. You can also connect with us on Facebook, How Did They Do It Real Estate? We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to bonifacecapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.